ponder him, Lord. We can ask the question, what child is this? And God, we can find answers to that question. And Lord, as we recognize the incredible thing you have done for us in the birth of Christ, now we wish to give to you from our hearts an expression of gratitude, an expression of thanks, an expression of love this Christmas season. So God, we, we give to you now uh, uh, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your work that is to be done in this world. And we pray that in Jesus' name. the question of our time together this morning and indeed of this Christmas season is what child is this? Have you pondered the question? Have you really thought and, 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 and wondered and sought the answer to the question of what child is this, this one born in Bethlehem? Christmas gives us a really fantastic opportunity to ask that question to sit as people have done for two millennia and think about Jesus born in Bethlehem laid in a manger come into this world and we're going to ask the question right now and I'm going to hopefully try to give you some answers from scripture from the Bible to the question but as we do so I'd like to suggest that we be careful and here's why because depending on how we answer that question that depending on how any person answers that question it can change their life it really can I'm going to read the Christmas story to you from Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 it's the famous passage of the birth of Christ um, and I want you to note that in the angels words especially in verse 11 the last verse that I will read we are given the answer to the question what child is this and we're going to just think about what he has to say. So listen to these verses as together we uh, hear again of Jesus' birth. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Three words used in that last verse, which answer the question, what child is this? Who is he? Who was that one laid in the manger? Number one, Savior. Number two, he was Messiah. Number three, he was Lord. Let me unpack them for you. Number one, the idea of Savior. Jesus, the Savior who has been born into this world, the Savior who has come to save us, if you would. Simple definition from the dictionary of Savior simply states, one who saves people from danger or harm. It seems to me that we don't think very often anymore about the need to be saved ourselves. We do hear about other things that need to be saved, don't we? We hear that we need to save the whales, and so we should because they're in danger of extinction. We need to save the polar bears. The polar ice cap is melting, and they're struggling, and they too are in danger of, for their very lives. We hear about how we have to save the environment, and we do need to because apparently we're harming the environment, indeed, this earth that God has given to us. Yeah, there are things that need to be saved in this world, but me and you? There's a really good illustration I want to share with you today about what it means to save a person who is in grave danger and needs to be saved. This man was named Scott O'Grady. He was a a fighter pilot in the U.S. Air Force during the Bosnia-Herzegovina War. And he was shot down in Bosnia behind enemy lines in 1995. There's a movie made about uh, him and his experience called Behind Enemy Lines. Have you seen it? Starring uh, Gene Hackman and Owen Wilson. The movie, as usual, embellishes the details to some degree, but it, it captures the reality of this man's existence. For six days, Scott O'Grady evaded capture by the Bosnian army, which was intent in finding him. He had been warned, if you were shot down, you will experience hostility from the people. And they were literally trying to kill him. He was in danger for his life. Um, He survived on the instruction that he had been given by collecting rainwater to drink, and he ate leaves and grass and bugs. He did what he could to live. After many attempts, he was able to signal the U.S. forces to communicate to them his location. And unlike the movie, which suggests that a Navy Navy admiral, admiral refused to send a rescue party his way 
uh, an admiral named Leighton Smith ordered an immediate rescue mission from the USS Kursarge to save this man's life. Two helicopters lifted off the deck of that ship and uh, contained 20 Marines uh, on board. Um, as they approached the area that they believed the, believed the signal to have come from, they saw a yellow flare that O'Grady had set off to really identify his location. Two helicopters landed, the 20 Marines got out and they sent up a defensive perimeter around the helicopters. And Captain O'Grady made a mad dash to one of those helicopters, which flew away after the other Marines got on board. They traveled 150 feet above the ground to evade radar detection. They traveled at 175 miles per hour in order to get out of that territory. They had to, and I've never heard this word before, but the helicopters had to jink, move back and forth to get out of the way of shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missiles, and they did. They arrived safely back on the Corsage. O'Grady had been rescued. A man who was in grave danger had been saved. You know what the Bible says? We all need to be saved every single one of us because we are in danger you know we need someone outside of ourselves to come into our lives and rescue us to help us i suppose there are times that we can relate to this dynamic in our own experience you know we get sick and we go to our physician we go to our doctor and we say help me and they medicate us they give us the prescriptions that are required that allow us to carry on sometimes we need surgeons to operate on us and literally save our lives because something's gone wrong inside us. Sometimes we're struggling emotionally and we look to a counselor to give us insight and wisdom and support and guidance through a really difficult time until we move beyond it. Sometimes we're lonely, really lonely, and we look for someone to come into our lives to help us make things right. You know, sometimes we have financial difficulty and we look to someone for financial guidance and information and direction. Sometimes we buy that lottery ticket and we hope somebody will hand us a massive check in response. You know, we're used in one way to have people helping us. But do we need Jesus? Do we need this child who was born in Bethlehem? To a lot of people, that's a bit of a non-question to a lot of people in our world today the question doesn't even get answered even at Christmas time but the Bible says we do this book that we believe is God's message to us we need him so that he can literally come into our lives in times of sickness and we can pray and he can bring healing along with the doctors in our times of emotional struggle he can be present to us and comfort us and heal our broken hearts in times of loneliness he can be with us a friend who sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. Times of financial hardship. Well, you know what? The Bible has given God a name, and it is provider. And he promises to provide for his people, and he does. I want to tell you, Jesus can be in our lives. He can be with us, and he can make a huge difference to us in our times of need. But most of all, my friends, I want to tell you, we need Jesus Christ to do what the angel uh, suggested he would do to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says this. She will give birth to a son, Mary, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
See, Jesus came to save us, to rescue us, to help us in significant ways from our sins. That's another concept that we don't hear a ton about anymore in this world of ours. Very often we don't even think about it, but again, what Scripture says is this, that without him we are in danger. We are at risk. Bottom line, we've all done things that are wrong. We've all made mistakes. We've all hurt other people and we've wronged other people. We've wronged ourselves. We've wronged God. And in the process, we've alienated ourselves from him. And we need Jesus to restore that relationship again. We need Jesus to come into our lives and make things right. See, we need the forgiveness that the Savior can bring to escape the judgment which is on all of humanity. We needed Jesus to die on a cross so that our sin might be forgiven in his name, taken away from us and eternally forgiven by God. That's where the second word in this trilogy comes in. Yes, he's a savior, but he's also Messiah. Messiah, Hebrew, Christ in Greek. Same word means the anointed one sent from God. What the angel was saying, what the text is saying to us here this morning is that God anointed Christ, his servant, to be able to save us, to be enabled to do what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, I described earlier about this story of O'Grady, Scott O'Grady, and I said that a helicopter, a couple of helicopters were sent to rescue him. Well, that was only part of the story. I want to describe to you what else was sent along. Well, of course, those two transport helicopters with the 20 Marines. But the Navy also sent two helicopter gunships, heavily armed, to engage as necessary. They sent two Harrier jump jets. They're the types of fighter jets that uh, take off vertically. They sent two Navy Hornets. They're two fighter jets that take off in the normal fashion. They sent two anti-aircraft A-10s, massive planes that are intended to take out anti-aircraft armaments on the ground, and they sent a NATO AWAC radar plane, a massive plane to coordinate the effort in terms of communications. I want to tell you, my friends, that in that moment, the Navy was absolutely serious about getting O'Grady out of danger. And if you would, they threw all they could at that rescue mission in order that it might succeed. Well, I want to tell you this. In Jesus, God did the same thing. He sent his son. He sent the savior of the world. He couldn't have done more than give us Jesus in Bethlehem that night. You see, it was Jesus, the anointed one, one enabled to come and to save us, who was able because of who he was to live a sinless life so that when he died on the cross at Calvary, he didn't die for his own sin. He died for our sin. He didn't die because of a penalty that he owed or a punishment or a judgment that he, that he deserved to give. No, he died so that he could take our penalty, our punishment, our judgment on himself that we might not have to ever. That we would be freed from that reality before God. 
I want to tell you, whatever we have done here today, and I know all of us can sit back, every single one of us in this room, and say, you know what? There are things I've done that I deeply regret. There are things that I have done that I know were wrong. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you have done or what I have done, because the Savior, the Messiah, has come and died on a cross for us. We can be forgiven of everything that we have done wrong. Third word in the trilogy is that Jesus is Lord. And I want to tell you, that was a big deal to those who heard this in the Jewish culture into which Jesus was born that night. This little baby wrapped in cloths, little, little baby lying in a manger. What this text is saying to us, what that angel spoke that night was that here was the divine among us. God in the flesh. You know, the Bible would later call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he was the king above all kings who would ever reign, that he was the Lord above all lords who would ever rule this world. The Bible also says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This paints a picture of Jesus that is stunning. Because it tells us that in him, God came among us. And he did so because that God loved us. That's mind-blowing. That eternal God loves you and me. That that God came among us out of love so that he might save us. He might help us in our need. That he, God, might rescue us danger I said earlier that when we ask the question what child is this we need to be careful because the answer to the question that we come to might change our lives it's changed the lives of a lot of people and blessed them in incredible ways but you see what happens in, in situations such as this this contemplation of the question what child is this Sometimes there are people who begin to see Jesus in a new light. They begin to understand him in a new way. And they see in him God coming into earth to rescue them. When we see Jesus as Lord, when we come to that place, you know, inevitably we end up doing what the wise men did. They ended up worshiping him and they end up giving him their most precious gifts. They end up honoring him with their lives, seeking him till they have found him. My friends, I want to suggest that this too is what we will end up doing when we understand Jesus as Lord of all. I hope you realize that when Jesus came into the world, he changed many, many lives. Four of those lives have been presented to us tonight in our drama. You know, the shepherds who claimed in this drama, at least, and I know it wasn't necessarily the words of Scripture, but they saw a world-saving baby, they said. And from that moment forward, what we've been told tonight, that their souls were wide awake as a result and ever since. You know, our souls can wake up in Christ. Something within us can come to life that wasn't alive before. And we can be changed. 
Wise men, well, they of course worshipped him, but what has been suggested to us tonight is that they saw in the infant child, in Christ himself, the answer to their quest for meaning and for purpose and for truth. Have you ever sought those things? Have you ever really wondered, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? What is truly true? Something that I can take hold and live by? Well, I would suggest to you, as the wise men discovered, that that reality, that meaning, that purpose, that truth is found in Christ. Mary, well, her life, of course, would never be the same again. She would become the mother of Jesus. Note it, the mother of the Son of God. Um, but also her life, I would suggest to you, as has been suggested to us, was one in which she found in her Son and through her Son that which would satisfy the thirst of her soul. Jesus said, that if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me or her come to me and drink. Anybody here with a thirsty soul? Longing for more than what is? Knowing there's something there that you haven't taken a hold of? I want to tell you the answer and the satisfaction to that thirst is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph, he'd name Jesus as his own and um, raise him as his own, and he would teach him to be a carpenter as Joseph himself was a carpenter. But in the end, he'd see him not just as a son, but as the son of God. Can you imagine being him? Coming to that place where your eyes are opened to see one who is in your presence as God. I want to make one more reference to the Scott O'Grady story, if, if you'll allow me that. Um, these helicopters that were sent and sat down, uh, these many, many airplanes and, 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 and means of salvation sent his way. Once they arrived, once they landed on the ground, those helicopters, he had to, as I've said, make a mad dash to one of those helicopters. If you've seen the movie, as I have, I can see it in my mind. He runs from the enclosure of the forest, the bush, to the helicopters, which, of course, are out in the open, and he ran like a madman because he knew at any moment one of those Bosnian soldiers might see him and shoot him down. It was possible that even though the rescue party had come, he would come that close to salvation and being safe but not make it there. My point is he had to act to be saved. And I want to suggest to you that in a very similar way, so do we. Do you know that? Uh, the rescue mission has been launched. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has come. What do we do with that? Well, you know what we do with that? It's not actually an action. It's simply a matter of faith. It's simply a matter of having our eyes open to see and understand who Jesus was and who Jesus still is so that we reach out to Christ, so that we acknowledge him, first of all, as our Savior, mine and yours if you wish. We recognize him as the one who came into this world who died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sin and that my hope for salvation is in him and in nothing else that this world can offer and certainly not in myself. 
And we have to acknowledge Christ as the Messiah, the one anointed by God to come into this world to do what we needed done, live that perfect life, and to die in my place, to take my judgment to himself that he might never, that I might never have to, because it has been accomplished. It's done. You know what else? We need to acknowledge him as Lord. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not it's just the King of kings, but my King. And just not the Lord of all lords who have ever ruled, but my Lord. And we need to honor him with our lives, and we need to put him first in our lives and honor him with all that we do. We need to be in relationship with him, a relationship of love, but also a relationship of obedient faith. That's what it means to acknowledge him as Lord. You know, when we recognize Christ and acknowledge him as Savior, Messiah, and, and as Lord, we come to this place. It's just happened thousands and hundreds and thousands of millions of times in the lives of people over two millennia where they come to that realization about the recognition of what child this is. And in the end, what we do is we open up our minds and our hearts and our lives to him and we invite him in. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to follow you and we ask for forgiveness in the name of Christ. We ask him to save us sincerely. And we find ourselves rescued, saved, mission accomplished. The question of this production, very simply, has been what child is this? Is this? Um, each of us has to answer that question for ourselves. And I'm here to, today to ask you, how do you answer the question? What do you do with them? I would suggest to you the hope of Chris Christmas, the message of Christmas, the dynamic power of Christmas. The dynamic power of Christ being born in Bethlehem is very simply that we will come to a place where we'll accept him as Savior, as Messiah, and as Lord. And that our lives will be changed by Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we have contemplated this question. What... what what child is this one whom you sent to this world? Who is this Jesus who was born in Bethlehem? And God, we just thank you that we don't have to answer that question in a vacuum. We don't have to answer it out of our own mind or wisdom or thought, but we can go to this incredible book inspired by you that we might know your truth. And we can find the answer to the question as we have done today. Nor we recognize that night when Jesus was born that it was a holy night. A night like no other. A night of spiritual power. For on that night, your son entered this world to save it and to save us. God, I would pray for everyone here tonight, this morning. And the prayer is really simple, that you would open all of our eyes to see Jesus for who he is. 
and that having seen him and acknowledging him as Savior and Messiah and Lord, that we would open up our lives to him in greater and greater measure, that we would believe and as a result that we would invite him in, that we might have relationship with him, that he might be our Savior, the one who helps us through our struggles and difficulties, but more than that, the one who forgives us our sins, that we might be yours forever. Lord, for those who are ready to take a step tonight, I just, this morning, I pray that they will. I really do. That they will acknowledge and that they will invite and that they will receive the rescuer into their lives. God, what a holy night it was. And for that night, And for the gift of your son, Jesus, we say thank you. Oh, mm-hmm.